when we travel in Greece, it seems everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, there's some story that dates back to centuries before Christ, the old Greek mythology. It's really important to understand the Greek myths in order to understand your sightseeing. Right now, we're joined by Anastasia Gaitanou from Thessaloniki in Greece to talk about Greek mythology and how that relates to our sightseeing. Anastasia, thanks for being here. Thank you. Glad to be here. As a tour guide, how do you help your travelers get a handle on the importance of the pantheon of gods and and Greek mythology in their sightseeing? Well, the first thing I do is I try to explain two very important things. One thing is mythology for us is a myth. That's what mythology is, is a is a story, is like a fairy tale, but for them back then, it was their actual history and religion. That's what they believed in. They believed that these gods existed. So that's one thing that's important. And the other thing is, I always try to compare it with religions of today, usually Christianity. And the main difference is that the Christian God, for example, is eternal. He's flawless. He existed before time, he exists and will exist after the end of time while the ancient gods were nothing like that. They were either born or created. They had the same passions and flaws as man did. They did the same mistakes, and they were the justification of what people were doing. They were a reflection of modern society of back then on a divine level. So if you understand that, but of course, again, they would set the moral boundaries. They would say what was allowed and what was not, but even gods would try to do what was not allowed for them. So that makes for much more interesting storytelling, I think. Very, a lot more interesting storytelling. But when you understand that, then you can understand a lot more of how the ancient world worked in what these ruins that you see today looked like a lot better in what they stood for, because there is always a religious a social and a political message in most of those ruins. And I think that's the fascinating thing about it. So what's one example, Anastasia, when you're traveling around Greece, if you're looking at something that is, you know, a statue of some great god or goddess, and how Mm -hmm. how it would have some sort of a moral or a meaning? Well, a statue. I'll try to explain the story behind it and what the statue stood for, because... I believe that art is the reflection of what happens in a society on a political, historical, social level. So if you take a really a closer look to art of each period, then more or less you know what's happening. Like I'll give you an example. We see statues of Hercules. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the Roman time period. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. But let's say you see statues of Hercules. Hercules was the son of Zeus. And he was a symbol for aristocrats. He was a symbol of power. He was a symbol of people who had the right to that power. The moment democracy was introduced, Hercules disappeared. There are no statues of Hercules after that. Nothing. Because the symbolism behind him is completely different. So that's one example. So Hercules was, uh, if I understand correctly, a demigod. Not a god, but a kind of a half-human, half-god. Yes. Would he be uh, a character that aristocrats would embrace to kind of justify that they have more rights and more power than normal people? Absolutely. So you said Hercules disappears when there's democracy. Yes. And Hercules was a a demigod, half a god. Yeah. Being the son of a god then makes you immediately a symbol, especially when your labors then have to do with humans. You save humans. Also, Hercules was, from the beginning, was going to become the ruler of all mankind. Just Hera intervened. And that did not happen. So from the beginning, he was going to be the mightiest and the strongest. And at the end of his life, he does manage to get to Mount Olympus and earn the status of a god. 
So he's very important to the aristocrats. So he joins the banquet up there on, on Mount he Olympus. He does join it, and he joins it as the son of Zeus. And if I may say so, Zeus is the boss of them all. So it's very important. You have the son of the boss, practically. Right. As a, as a student in Greece, do you learn these stories just like we would learn? I mean, of course, they're, they're myths, but do you learn them in order to better understand your country and its heritage? We we'll learn them, yes. You we have do. to learn them. In primary school. In primary school. As travelers, when we're traveling around the country, I love to go to these sanctuaries and these incredible places that were so important, you know, 500, Mm -hmm. 800 years before Christ. Do you think the people really believed this stuff, the the leaders of Greece, or were they using that to keep the people down? Both. I think it started really with faith, or I believe they really did believe in that. But when you have a great religious site that attracts a lot of people out of various reasons, then you really make a profit at the end because that's a huge festival. So during the centuries, it became more from a religious festival, more business. So more take advantage of it if you were an insider. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Anastasia Gaitanu from Thessaloniki in Greece. We're talking about Greek mythology and how it relates to our sightseeing. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Alina is calling in from uh, Weiden in Germany. Alina, thanks for your call. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be a part of this today. Great. Do you have a comment or a question for Anastasia? We do. My husband and I are going to be taking our two young children to Crete this summer. And um, it's going to be their very first trip. Um, We just adopted this summer from Washington State, so they're brand new to Europe, brand new to travel experience. Um, But we really want to get them excited about Crete and what we can do there. So we're curious if there's any great mythology that we can get them excited about before we go, and then places that we can visit once we get there. For Crete? Yes. Okay. Anastasia. So definitely, yes, there are. Hi. (laughs) Crete has to do with the story of Europe itself. When Europe was uh, a wonderful princess, was abducted by Zeus, they were together on the island of Crete, and their first son was the first son of Crete who was Minos, by the way. So from Europe, from that beautiful princess, and the name means the one with a beautiful face, and the whole continent got its name. So that's, that's a good way to relate where you are to the story of the place where you're going. So that's, that's a beautiful story. And then, of course, you also have the story of the Minotaur, who was not really the son of Minos, but you can tell that there is part of this name in the name of Minotaur, but he was born by the wife of Minos. He was half a bull. That's what Taurus means, the Minotaur. And he was banned in the labyrinth that was built for him, killed by Theseus of Athens. But today in Crete, there are the ruins of one of the great palaces that date back to the middle of the second millennium B.C., and that is the palace of Knossos, Knossos, actually in Greek. And it's believed that that is the great labyrinth everybody was talking about. Most probably a labyrinth like a maze never really existed, but the palace was built in a way, even today you Hmm. can see it in the ruins, that looked like a maze. You can really get lost (laughs) in those corridors. And, um, so one if, if Alina yes. is traveling in Crete with her family, you're saying uh, the Palace of Gnosis is the most important Knossos. site? Knossos. Yeah. is the most important site. And that Absolutely. dates, I think it's amazing to think that that goes, it's a thousand years older than the classical age Greece. Yeah. It's from 14, 1500 BC. And even older, the first phase. Wow. Alina, that sounds fun for the, for, to introduce your children to. It does. I'm excited about that. Thanks so much for that hint. Thanks for you're your welcome. call. 
I know. Thank you. Billy's calling from Yucaipa in California. Billy, thanks for your call. Thank you. The thing that was most interesting to us on Crete, we, we spent quite a bit of time on, in Greece and traveling around, and the thing that was most interesting to us was the palace, Kadosos. Uh, the history is, is quite complex, but the main thing about it is that I had studied for several years with a women's group about going on pilgrimage and all, and this was one of the areas that we had talked about a lot. So it was just very special to me to be able to go there and, and see the palace ruins. And Billy, I'm, I'm curious what you saw at the palace. What made it such an interesting visit for you? One of the things that was really interesting was that you could still see a lot of the very colorful things, some of the the fresco-type paintings, and there are these red posts that held up. The palace was in layers, and, and, you know, the minotaur was supposed to be down in the labyrinth, the bottom of the labyrinth, and the whole story of Ariadne who saved Theseus. But I, I thought it was very interesting because you could really see the... Uh, the way they stored food, there were these big uh, jars of things still there, and that's how they stored their oil and grains and things like that. And you could just, you know, you could walk around all the different ups and downs around the palace. One thing that really struck us, though, about uh, about that was that I pictured it in my mind that it would be out, kind of, you know, out of town, and there would be maybe a grassy area around it or something, but it wasn't true. We we left the airport and went straight there from the airport, and I knew where the address, and so we, we were driving and driving, and we kept seeing, you know, buildings and little restaurants and cafes and hardware stores and things like that, and then just, bam, right there was the palace at Canosos. It's just right in the town of Heraculon, and it, that was just an interesting thing to me, and we noticed that all over Greece. That you know, we think of these things as such honored pieces of their past, and you know, even in the, the major cities, the beautiful big columns and monuments, and the architecture and the amphitheaters and everything are just right next door to you know the place where you go and buy your stamps and, <laughs> and you know eat out and things like that. And it's interesting that they did not protect those areas. I mean, it, just, it makes it just kind of interesting to us because, you know, we tend to have a big piece of property around something like a cathedral or and something like that. It's all mixed together there, isn't it? Did you find, when you went to Kenosis, were you there just on your own? Did you buy a guidebook? Did you take a tour? How did we you were understand? Just there, we had your guidebook, but we, uh-huh. and we, we just go on our own. We, we do quite a bit of traveling independently and, and do some tours and things, but we just drove, and there's a parking okay. lot, and you can walk up right to it. And uh, another area on Crete also has some, um, not as well known, but just hundreds of these grave sites that was, um, I believe they said was even in the book, I believe it said they were even older than Canosos. Uh, and you could walk down, they were buried underground, but they had these little tunnels that went under there, and you could walk down into those. And, and that was a real interesting okay. site, too. I think that's important uh, to put Crete on our list. Thanks for your call, Billy. You're welcome. Thank okay, you. Bye now. Bye-bye. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Anastasia Gaitanu, and we're talking with our traveling audience about Greece and its mythological wonders. Anastasia, when you travel around Greece, there are five or six very important sites. Uh, I'm just going to list them here. If you can explain to us the importance uh, and what we might do there, just very, very briefly. Olympia. Olympia, the cradle of the Olympic Games, main sanctuary of Zeus. From uh, the, the very first games there. When was the first uh, games? In 776 BC. And can you actually... The reorganized games. I mean, they were older. And you can actually see the, the stadium and, and so You can see the stadium, absolutely. You can see the sanctuary itself. And of course, we should never forget that all these sanctuaries had a political function as well, all of them. Now, Delphi. Delphi was 
the sanctuary of Apollo and simultaneously an oracle that played a very important role in politics because especially when Greece had a big demographic problem and they asked the Oracle of Delphi where should they go to establish their colonies, they would tell them where to go. So what is an oracle? An oracle is a place where you can ask a god and via medium, in this case it was a woman, the god talks through the people and gives an answer, which of course is cooked by the priesthood. So the 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 medium would be the person who's doing the translating who could be corrupted by the priests or the priest could misinterpret for the priest's interest? Well, to be honest, the medium would talk nonsense. The priest would decide how to interpret that. Okay, so there you go, the oracle, when the gods would speak to the people and then the priests would say what's going to happen. Epidavros. Epidavros was... um, one of the public hospitals in quotation marks of ancient times. It was a sanctuary of Asclepius, who was the god of medicine. And these were the places where everybody would go to find sanctuary and healing. And apart from that, it had one of the most beautiful theaters of the Mm -hmm. ancient world. And already back then, it was known as the one with the best acoustics. Incredible acoustics. How many people could go to the theater? How many people? Well, 12,000 definitely. 12,000. If you sit very tight to each other, even 14,000. The most important thing is that the theater is very well preserved till today. And till today, there is the Epidaurus Festival, and you can go there in the summer and see a play. Nice. It's wonderful. The three sites we just mentioned, Olympia, Delphi, and Epidaurus, are all within two or three hours' drive of Athens. And I find also very interesting that sometimes today, because we're so based and dependent on our technology and what we can do, is we can't understand how these people managed to to build all these great constructions. But I think it's very interesting to see how people, for example, in the 5th century BC, could not understand how their ancestors in the 8th century or in the 2nd millennium BC did what they did. Of course, the explanation back then was a lot more easier. You know, giants with one eye, the Cyclops came and did it. I love that. And you're thinking specifically about the palace in Mycenae. For example, yes. And the people would call that uh, Cyclopean architecture just because they couldn't imagine some man carrying those big stones. Exactly. So when you go to Mycenae, I just always think, wow, Mycenaeans were a thousand years before Socrates and Plato. And they would go down there and they would see the remains of this palace and they would see those huge stones actually, I guess, bigger than what the Greeks were using, and they just shook their head and thought, no human being could do this. Yes, because they did not have the technological means that they had, so they could not understand or comprehend how would someone, without having this crane that they had in the 5th century BC, could pull something like that off thousand years before that. So they attributed to giants. If you go out into the Aegean Sea, what single site would take you back to classical Greek times? Oh, well, it's full of sites, but yeah. I, I can mention two, three, like Delos, of course, which was the island on which Apollo, the god of light and music, was born. So the whole island was a settlement and a sanctuary, and today the whole island is an archaeological site. It's now, small. Delos is small and, I believe, uninhabited, so you side trip there from, from Mykonos, right? Yeah. So when you go to Mykonos, you can go all the parties and the beaches, but then your one obligatory site would be to take the little boat over to Delos. Absolutely. It's wonderful. And you have Samos, where Hera, the wife of Zeus, was born, and there was one of the largest, biggest temples of antiquity, 7th century BC. Naxos, Temple of Apollo, still the frame of the door, is standing one of the most beautiful sites. And 
Then you have um, Tinos again, you have Apollo, you have Rhodes, where Athena was Amazing. one of the ma- yeah. most important sites. There is her temple and, and the, ca- the ruins of the castle. And, There's a lot. And a wonderful development, I think, in the last generation has been the establishment of, of beautiful, in many cases, state-of-the-art little museums on each site to save That's the beautiful true. carvings from the acidic air and give us a comfortable place to visit with a more intimate look, the wonders of those civilizations. Also because we believe that you can never fully understand the meaning of an object or an artifact unless you see it where it was made or found. That is such an important point. It's so exciting mm-hmm. to go actually to the place and then have the museum right there, a chance to wander through the grounds and follow it up with a look at the now-protected artifacts exactly. of that amazing civilization. Anastasia Gaitanu from Thessaloniki, thanks so much for helping us better appreciate that to understand Greece, you really need to understand the mythology. Thank you for giving me the chance to do so. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic, Europe Through the Back Door, teaches the skills of smart travel. Along those same lines, Europe 101, History and Art for the Traveler, is a must-read for anyone who appreciates Europe's rich history and great art. To learn more about Rick's books, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.